Mr. Reginald Fortune, M.A., M.B., B.C.H., F.R.C.S., was having a lecture from his father. You only do just enough, Dr. Fortune complained. Never brilliant, no zeal. Now, Reginald, it won't do. Just enough is always too little, take my word for it. And do be attentive to the Archduke. God bless you. Have a good time, sir said Mr. Reginald Fortune, and watched his father settle down in the car, a long process, beside his mother and drive off. They were gone at last, which Reginald had begun to think impossible, and the opulent practice of Dr. Fortune lay for a month in the virgin hands of Reginald. Beautifully patient the mater is, Reginald communed with himself as he ate his third muffin. Fretful game to spend your life waiting for a man to get ready. Quaint old bird, the pater. Deathbed manner for a tummy ache. Wonder the patients lap it up. But old Dr. Fortune was good at diagnosis, and he had his reasons for saying that Reggie lacked zeal. At Oxford, at his hospital, Reggie did what was necessary to take respectable degrees, but no more than he could help. It was remarked by his dean that he did things too easily. He always had plenty of time and spent it here, there and everywhere, on musical comedy and prehistoric man, golf and the newer chemistry, bargees and psychical research. There was nothing which he knew profoundly, but hardly anything of which he did not know enough to find his way about in it. Nobody, except his mother, had ever liked him too much, for he was a self-sufficient creature, but everybody liked him enough. He got on comfortably with everybody, from barmaids to dons. He was of a round and cheerful countenance, and a perpetual appetite. This gave him a solidity of aspect, emphasised by his extreme neatness. Neither his hair nor anything else of his was ever ruffled. He was more at his ease with the world than a man has a right to be at thirty-five. It is presumed that he had never wanted anything which he had not got. Old Dr. Fortune possessed a small fortune and a rich practice, and Reggie enjoyed the proceeds and proposed to inherit both. The practice lay in that pleasant outer suburb of London called West Hampton, a region of commons and a large park, sacred to the well-to-do, and still boasting one or two houses inhabited by what auctioneers call the nobility. In Boulderwood, the best of these places, there lived at this moment in Reggie Fortune's existence the Archduke Maurice, the heir apparent to the Emperor of Bohemia. You may remember that the Archduke came to live in England shortly after his marriage. It is, however, not true, as scandal reported, that his uncle the Emperor sent him into exile. There is reason to believe that the Archduchess, a woman equally vehement and beautiful, was not liked in several European courts. On her return from the honeymoon she made a booby trap for that drill-sergeant of a king, Maximilian of Swabia, and for some weeks the central powers were threatening to mobilise. But she was a serene highness of the house of Urbach Whittlesback, which traces its descent to Odin, and had an independent realm of nearly two square miles, with Parliament and army complete, 
and even the Emperor of Bohemia could not pretend that Maurice had married beneath him. History will affirm the simple truth that the Archduke and the Archduchess sought seclusion in England because they were bored to death by the Bohemian court, which was perpetually occupied in demonstrating that you can be very dull without being in the least respectable. The Archduke Maurice was a man of geniality and extraordinarily natural tastes. His garden, a long walk, a pint of beer in one of the old West Hampton inns made him a happy day. The Archduchess was not so simple, for she loved to drive her own car, a ferocious vehicle. But Archduchesses may not do that in Bohemia.